In a time of social distancing and isolation, what does a specialist tackling and contact skills coach do? To avoid completing all those mundane household chores. He, of course, makes a podcast. Welcome to Malcolm Banks Tackles and Takedowns, the podcast. Hello again and thanks for joining me. My name is Malcolm Bangs and welcome to the podcast. I must say I'm a massive fan of this episode's guest. She's a fantastic player as well as coach and I am extremely fortunate to have worked with her in both of those roles over several years. I'm of course speaking of Alicia Eva, captain of the GWS Giants AFLW team. Please enjoy our conversation. How are you? Good, how are you? Very well, very well. Thank you so much for joining me. No worries at all. It's been a while. It's been a good couple of years, I it, think. It certainly <laughs> has. It's been a while. I think the last time I saw you was up. Uh, yeah, up there we're working with um, the ACT New South Wales side. That's absolutely correct. That yeah. was well, probably 18 months ago now. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. You made the, the big road trip up to um, Blacktown to help our girls out. I know. It was a lot of fun, actually. It was good to see you. It was great to, great to work with some of them. And some of them have obviously gone on. To, to be selected to play AFLW, which has been really, really good. And I'm sure you're pretty happy with that. Absolutely. I think, um, I know, I mean, having worked with you in Victoria and um, out at the Cannon specifically and with under-18 girls in Victoria, um, it was probably something that I wanted to jump on um, if there was an opportunity to get you up to New South Wales. And um, we've got a lot of girls up there who have come from rugby backgrounds and yep. have come from a lot of, I guess, a, a different form of contact sport. Um but to get someone up to kind of hone in on the intricacies of AFL football and taking contact and taking hits and tackling, yep. um, yeah, it was awesome. No, it was. It was a lot of fun. And I actually like. I actually want to go back to where we first met, which is obviously, as you mentioned, the Cannons. And yep. you that was back in 2014, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. And you were actually a line coach for the boys. Yeah. For the boys. So that was the, yeah, 2014 season. And um, that was when we first sort of met. And then um, then from there, like, how did you find that? How did you find the coaching aspect of specifically the under-18s boys team? How did you find that initially? And then there was obviously the transfer the next year into um, into the girls for a short period of time. But specifically with the 18s boys, I'd just be interested to see how you, what, what the differences are, what the nuances yeah. are for you. Um, oh, Seems like a very long time ago now. Um, my introduction into the TAC Cup system actually came with the under-16 boys side. Right. Um, and I think that was in 2012. So I did two years of apprenticeship with those boys. Um, and then when I stepped into the backline role with the PAC side, it was actually with that same um, age group of, oh, okay. of kids that I started with. So yeah. it actually made that transition and that step up um, pretty easy. Yeah. Um, because I'd known a lot of the boys for a, number, well, for a couple of years and had worked with them, and um, and I also knew a number of the coaches there in that in that system. And um, the head coach at the time, Andrew Jago, I'd worked with him as well um, in the under eighteen um, girls yep. pathway. So uh, it was handy having um, some existing connections and, and having worked with a number of those boys for a few years. Um, I was really lucky enough to. I was working in the back line with Tim, Tim Kilworth, who was 
yep. uh, very, very experienced um, and coached a lot of footy, a lot of Zappa footy as well. So yep. I guess he was a, a, an important mentor for me that year. And then, of course, Ian Kite was heading up the whole Cannons program. Yep. Um, he's someone that I struck up a really strong relationship with and, and he's been a really important mentor for me. Um, but, yeah, I guess working in, in that TAC system was the first time I really um, had to kind of marry together the development side of coaching along with, um, I guess, high-performance tactical kind yep. of coaching. Um, you're working with – I was working with boys who have obviously been in high-performance pathways for a number of years, and I think that was the biggest difference with the girls. Um, the high-performance girls program was only in its infancy, and we had a, a, a heap of talented players in the girls program, but they hadn't – necessarily had a, a heap of experience with um with i guess the higher level thinking of yeah. football or um purely because the, the pathway in that sense hadn't been around as long as what the boys had so um yeah that first year it was i, I learned a lot I'm, obviously in my playing career i've played a lot in the midfield and um, yeah. spent a bit of a bit of time up forward so to start um in the tsc pathway in the back line was was really great great learning for me as well um, and it's also something that I find myself doing currently working yep. with the back line. So yeah. I've come full circle in the last <laughs> few years. <laughs> that brings me specifically for mine, and this is a personal favourite of mine, um, to 2015, to the 2015 Carnival Girls. Mm-hmm. The uh, hashtag known as the animals, given that tag <laughs> in relation that, that I proudly, proudly remind people of. And uh, there are certain members of that that group that proudly wear that tag more than anything else. Um, Maddie, Maddie Prisparkas is definitely one of them. Um, that that was an amazing group of individuals. Some of them consistently went on. Like I, I was actually shocked. I remember, I think it was, it might have been 2017, maybe 2018, um, that, yeah, that, that I like was rolling up and, and Maddie Prisparkas was still there. And I'm like, hang on a second, yeah. how, how, how old are you? So um, that, that particular, they were a very physical team they, and mm-hmm. they really embraced it. And you, you, were, a, <clears throat> you were a fantastic, um, what's the word, um, I don't know, motivator for me and a person to, you know, that I wanted to be a part of that. And, and the girls really took it on board. You've always been a, a positive um, person around my style of, of tackling education and the way that it works. But that that was a lot of fun. I've still actually, I think I've still got the text message that you actually sent me that day where <laughs> it was like, you know, the, you know, the girls, <laughs> people are calling them animals. They're so physical, etc. <laughs> For those that are listening, they were safe and physical. And that's, that's the, the, the premise on what we're doing here. But, um, that then, obviously, I don't know if you've any, got any memories in relation to, to some of those girls and then maybe even drift into the, to 2017, into the inaugural TAC Cup for for the youth girls yes. and, and, and that Cannons team as well. So, any thoughts yeah. on that? Um, I've got many fond memories um, working with both the, the boys and the girls programs at the Cannons, but I think um, it was really special for me um, when the Cannons put the, their hands up to be, I guess, the first club, one of the first few clubs to really embrace the girls' program. And it wasn't the TAC Cup club. Um, or it wasn't the competition as, as we know now. There was only a few teams. And um, it was very much, um, I guess, it was a really important stepping stone um, 
in terms of the pathway to, to AFLW and, and, and where it is today, getting those teams up and running and getting those clubs to buy into to what we were trying to do at AFL Victoria, yep. headed up by Charlotte Curtis, of course. Um, and I think one of the most important uh, factors for me as a coach in that environment was to not only work um, at building the fundamental kicking and, and handballing skills of, of the players, but perhaps more importantly to work on the um, on the physical skills of tackling and correct technique when taking a bump, um, when picking up a ground ball, um, when when falling, I guess. Yeah. Um, because we've seen what what we know with with um, with girls coming into football is that they go in 110%, yep. uh, but they may not necessarily go in with a correct technique. So we uh, really consciously wanted to put a lot of time and effort into getting the fundamental ball skills component right, but also equally getting uh, the tackling aspect right. And we wanted to be known as a, as a really skillful squad, yep. um, but also as, as a really hard physical squad, but as you said, um, do it in the right way. Absolutely. Um, and I think when we started to play footy, and, and you've already spoken about Maddie Presbarkus, um, you know, Mon Conti, yep. um, Molly Warburton, there's a lot of a lot of talent that's come out um, of that squad. Um, and I think they should all really pride themselves on not only being really talented footballers with ball in hand, but um, <laughs> really, really strong in the contested ball areas. Yep. And, you know, Maddie Presbarkus is, is a classic example. Um, we first had her come through the doors at the Cannons when she was 13, and and she was she was a little kid. And I remember we were doing we were warming up, doing some off the off the fence stuff, and um, and I was bulleting these kicks in just to look at you know who had good hands. And this tiny 13 year old was just bucketing these marks out in front of her face, and um, we knew we had something special. And just just from seeing her do that, but then when we we could see how well she was able to hold her own in the contest and able to take big hits and was able to turn her body at the right time and get herself, um, you know, in the junk and then out of it. Yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was really special to see from someone so young, but um, it was also really, really great to have her in and amongst that group of kids, yeah. um, I guess, to, you had the coaches who were coaching technique, but then to have a player that was also kind of leading the way and demonstrating how it, should, how it could and should be done. Absolutely. Um, was also really was also really great. Absolutely. So then, then, and that that was a big one, obviously for us, the, the twenty seventeen championship. Yeah, leading so that was, um... leading into that, like, and and that was the thing. I think there was a massive process in relation to that. We had you know a pretty good showing in twenty sixteen as well, but um, and that sort of led on. But the, I think from from being sort of involved over that that period of time, it just seemed to be a progression, a progression, a progression, a progression. And it went really, really well. And then it, it sort of culminated in in twenty seventeen. And again, like a bucket load of who's who um <laughs> of AFW players that that were sitting in that in that group, in that Canons group. So um a pretty good day, a very good day to to, to be <laughs> honest. But um yeah, it, it what what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on the 2017 year? Yeah, I mean that was pretty special. Um, that was the first year of AFLW. Um, I was playing with Collingwood that year, and yeah. um, it was kind of, you know, I'd go to Collingwood training one night, and then I'd go out to the Cannons the next night, and it was really exciting for the girls to actually um, see what we were what we were trying to build them up for. And we had a, a really talented list that year. We had. Um, Obviously, Maddie Prisbarkis, George Patricio, who's first year player this year in the AFLW 
um, Chloe Malloy, <laughs> Monconti. Um, so it was a it was a really talented squad. Um, but again, off the back of um, I guess a really solid program that was rolled out or was made available to them from the Cannons by the Cannons and. Um, you know, we were really lucky, Mal, to get you on board with us um, as part of, I guess, the curriculum that we were writing for our under-18 girls. We knew that you were doing a lot of work with the under-18 boys at the same time. So, um, you know, to for you to roll out a training with the boys and then into the beginning of our training, um, it worked really well and it became almost a weekly process. Yeah. And, um, and I remember there were nights where we, <laughs> we really would, we'd do our warm-up and then straight over, over to you for yeah. a big 15-minute hit and then um, and then into our, our, I guess, our game sense training. And I think, like I said, contested ball is such an important part of the game now. You can have the silkiest skills and um, you can play pretty footy um, with ball in hand, but if you can't win it, that's a cold face. So if you can't, um, you know, tackle to get the ball back, yeah. then you're not going to be um, getting wins on the board. And I think we're really we're really blessed with the, the I guess... Um, the people that we had around yep. us at the Cannons and, and the staff available. And, you know, there, it was a weird season. It was the first TAC Cup season proper for the girls. Yep. You know, it was really special. Um, but it was weird for myself because some games I couldn't get there because I was actually playing ASLW. So yep. <laughs> um, I was really lucky that Jason Peake, um, the assistant coach, he, he um, kind of took the reins when I wasn't there. But I guess to see years and years of the Cannons um, investing in, in youth girls football, um, and, and making the best staff available to these girls. It was really quite special to then win the inaugural TAC Cup Girls Premiership. Absolutely. Um, not just for, for the players and the coaches, but for all, all the staff that were involved. Absolutely. Look, and, and I want to come back to that in relation to your first year and, and AFLW. And, and with this podcast, this is more about a little bit of footy and then a little bit later yep. we're sort of going to break away from, from footy. But... Um, so- the one, the one thing that I, I just want to come back to, and it, it sort of twists in. I'm going to talk really quickly to 2016 um, uh, uh, AFL Vic Women's Academy. Mm-hmm. And okay. when when you think about that in relation to when we were at the hangar, and you know, lucky enough, I was a part of that to do a little bit of tackling and everything. And I remember walking past Damo Keeping in 2016, and this was before it all kicked off. And I remember looking at him and I just looked around at everyone and it was my last night there and I looked around and I just said, mate, do you reckon they've got any idea what's ahead of them? Do you honestly think that they think it's going to go bang? And he looked at me and he went, nah, nah, they don't. (laughs) Fast forward to Damo and I catching up in, I think it was 2018, prior prior to me having that full season with Carlton. We were sitting at the table and I like looked at him and I said, do you remember that quote? And he looked at me and goes, mate, we had no idea. <laughs> we thought we had an idea of, of, of what was going to happen. And under yeah. no circumstances did we ever. And, and you, I think you're the first person I've interviewed that was part of that group, part, oh, of, that, okay. part of that women's academy. Yeah. Um, and and I'll, I'll just, if you think back to that 2016 women's academy, in your head, the 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 concept of what you were, you you believed you were training for, which was an AFLW season, da 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 da. Did you, in all honesty, what you had in your brain, did it even match what you what you saw? And specifically, because I had chills that night, specifically the first 
the first ever game, the lockout? <laughs> um, I don't think anyone um, would have really anticipated that first night. Anyone in that in that academy squad that was training at, at Essendon or Maribyrnong yep. Park. Um, no, I don't think anyone really expected. No one really knew um, what was to come, and no one really knew how much women's footy was just going to explode across Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, 20, 2016, so that I actually just returned from almost a year overseas, um, right. halfway through 2015, so I had a year off footy completely, and um, I think I was on a boat in Croatia when Dylan McLaughlin announced that um, 2017 would be the first ASLW season. You know, everyone was kind of thinking, oh, 2020, or it was going to continually, you know, be put in a bit of a too hard basket. So when um, Gillen actually announced that, um, yeah, that was quite surreal. Um, and, and to be honest, I was actually really glad that I'd taken my my year off at that particular time or else, you know, I felt pretty burnt out yeah. um, juggling many different things at that time. But, yeah, 2016 um, became a really full-on year of football. It was, uh, I guess, there was a a weekly women's academy. We really felt like we were building towards something. We just didn't know what yeah. that looked like. We knew that there was going to be a draft. We knew, you know, a, a number of us had played in the exhibition games, um, which, whilst they were extremely special and, um, you know, gave many of us a chance to run out the NCG and represent clubs that we'd, we'd banished for since we were tiny. Yeah. Um, you know, this was a whole season and this was a standalone season. And, um, you know, it was, it was a really exciting time. And, um, you know, fast forward to that first night, or fast forward to to that the week leading into that first game. Um, I was at Collingwood, so I was lucky enough to play in the first game. Yep. Um, we earlier in the week um, we knew the game was scheduled to be played. I think at the Holden Centre, um, so in that Olympic Park precinct yep. of, of near the MCG, and um, capacity there was. God knows, maybe 3,000, and, and there was whispers that the game would have to be moved to a bigger venue because they're expecting 10,000. Yep. Um, and I think at that time, the most people I'd ever played in front of was probably around seven and a half in one of the exhibition games. Yep. Um, so 10,000 was pretty crazy, and I remember telling my family, oh, the game might be moved, so you know, just have to keep keep an eye out. And then, <laughs> and then they were expecting 12,500, and then they said, oh, the game's been moved to Icon Park. Yep. Um, so then fast forward to that night, it was really quite special. Our, our team got on the bus and we were driving through Carlton and we could see hordes of people um, already beginning to line up outside the ground. Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm one of those players that likes to come out onto the ground a couple of times before the game starts. So um, about an hour before the game starts, I, I go out to the ground the first time and there's quite a few people there. And it was, I think the stadium was probably almost half full at that point in time and um, and I remember saying to a few of the girls, oh, I think there's going to be a bit more than 10,000 people here. <laughs> um, and then I went back back inside again. And then when we came out for our second warm-up, um, it was definitely, it was almost full. Yeah. Um, and I remember there was this kind of surreal moment um, where Chotch and I kind of looked at each other and, <laughs> and just had this moment and then just got on with it, got yeah. on with the warm-up. And then, of course, you go back into the rooms and then when you ran out for the banner, um, yeah, it was just crazy. There was the whole place was full. Of, the, the place was pumping, and um, you know it, it was for two rival teams. It was it was 
amazing when, when we ran out through our banner and ran around the square, every single person in the stadium was actually on their feet applauding. Uh, and we hadn't even played yet, but yep. everyone was on their feet applauding. And they weren't necessarily applauding us, they were applauding you know, all the people who'd gone before, all the work that had gone in before mm-hmm. um, to get to that point in time. So, um, And then I remember really clearly at, at quarter time of that game, Wayne Seekman, who was the coach, <laughs> he was giving us a quarter time address. And I remember looking at him, but then I remember Sam Lane's voice come over the PA announcing that they'd had to actually lock the doors yeah. and there was a lockout. There 22,500 people, I think it was. So, no. um, yeah. It was amazing. I, I was there very early. I had a feeling. I had a bizarre feeling. I had a, I found a, a cool little parking spot near Icon that I found. In the, during 2017, and I found it, and I keep finding it, which is pretty good. So I'm not sharing that with anyone, just in case <laughs> yeah, you know. Don't but that one away. <laughs> um, and I got there really early, and I got there very early, and um, and I, and the reason was I thought, you know, I'll, I won't get a good seat, or I won't get this, or I won't get that. I didn't expect a lockout, but I expected, I probably expected around about 15 to 17. Yeah. And um, <laughs> no, it, it was an amazing situation and yeah. and that's the thing and I, I i i chuckle inside specifically in relation to that comment that i shared with damo about it because <laughs> what i thought i thought yeah no, look i reckon it's going to go this way i had no idea absolutely yeah. not um but <laughs> that which which brings me back now to to sort of tying in the tax stuff and, and aflw yeah. so and you mentioned you mentioned four straight away so chloe maddie mon and, and now Georgia. Georgia. Um, who have you played against? So you would have played against Maddie. Yep. You. Yep. yep. Chloe. No. Uh, yes, I have yeah. played. Yeah, have played against Chloe. Yep. Um. Did yeah. Did you play Saints? Did you play Saints this year? Uh, no. Yeah. So Georgia's the only one I haven't played yep. against. Um. So I think yeah, Maddie. Very much towed, towed me up last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't, didn't get to play against her this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're all – it's a funny one. Um, and, you know, at the start of the game, there's always – there's this little wink and, yeah. um, you know, they're all, they're all girls that um, – you, you can't help but love watching how they yeah. progress um, and, and, you know, the, the heights that, they're, that they are all going to reach individually. Um, we already know that they're – stars of the competition and they're still I think they're all I think Chloe might be 20 I know she might be 21 now I'm not yeah. sure um, but it's pretty scary to think how young they are yeah um, but it, yeah look it's um, it's pretty cool um, there are I don't think there are many uh, situations in the ASL at the moment where I guess the coaches are running out against or yeah. um, teammates of some of their uh, their pupils I guess but there's a fair few. Like yeah. I've only just mentioned the four cannons girls. Like there's obviously yeah. a few others around as well. That you know from from the from, from your time with um, New South Wales ACT um, yeah. and just around club level and stuff like that. So for me, like I, I pay massive attention to where um, to where people I work with go. I try. I try yeah. really hard to. And there's nothing better. And the the unfortunate part about me in relation to to footy is that. You know, as soon as that competition happened, I was really lucky to have worked with with yourself at Muggers as well, um, and, okay. and worked with you know, Chotch at Dymo and a heap of other people prior to all this sort of happening. And 
all of a sudden when I wasn't associated with an AFLW club, I was sort of like, well, what do I go back to do? And being a North, <laughs> being, being a North Melbourne supporter, I follow the North girls. But at the same time, you know, it, it, for me, it's more about the player now because yep. I know so many of you and specifically the people that I, that I have got to work with. And, it's, you know, the Maddies, the, the Georges, the Chloe, all those girls, I get to watch them. And then when you watch what the program has assisted them to do, how well they've been, you know, you, you take an absolute, like for me, it, it it's a very happy place. It's very, it makes me smile. Yeah. And I just sit there and go, oh, fantastic. And there's been times where, for example, um, you know, having known you for years, you know, you've got the ball, you're going for a run and then you, you know, Press Parker drags you down. I'm like, oh, oh, go, 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 leash. Oh, <laughs> great tackle, Mad. So like, yeah. I'm like sitting there just 50-50 and I'm just wondering, you know, do you get that? As much as you're a game face on, you roll up, you look yep. over and you see and you go, how good is this? And then it's switch straight into, into game mode. Uh, it, well, it definitely does for me. Yep. Uh, it definitely has in the past. And um, I think because I... I'm kind of constantly throwing on the coach hat and then the play hat and the coach hat and the play hat, which uh, I guess um, it's it's hard not to take notice of how they're going. Um, But then, you know, it's really funny when you do um, opposition analysis. Um, So, you know, for example, if we're coming up against Carlton or we're coming up against um, Collingwood, um, you know, you have a bit of insight as how these players go and how they play and, um, I guess that's yeah. I don't know if that's worked to my advantage yet or not. But um, <laughs> I think yeah, it's, it, you just have a bit of knowledge. And um, but at the same time, equal, equally when you're not playing against them, you, you do hope that yeah. you know. Um, I I do like watching how they go. Um, yeah. I I often call them my kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's you know it's funny like one of my teammates at, at the Giants now, Elise Parker. Um, she's one of my kids, and yep. um, when I when I moved up to New South Wales, and now she's you know starting, she's a starting midfielder in our midfield group, and yep. um, you know, she's a bull at that. Yep. <laughs> she's teaching me a few things, so it's not, and and that's my next point. Like, um, I'm learning things off a lot of these girls too, yep. as well. So um, I take off my coach hat and I put on my player hat, and there's things that that Park does that um, you know I try and emulate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some things that she does that I definitely can't emulate, but. Yep. Same, same with Mad, same with Chloe. Um, and, yeah, it's, 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 it's a weird one because, yeah, when you're playing against them, you, you, want, you just want to win the game. Um, and then, obviously, when you're sitting on your couch at home on a Friday night and you're, you're watching Collingwood or Carlton, you're, you're hoping that it both goes well for, for the players you're watching. So. Look, I agree. And it, it, it sort of sounds very similar. When I first got into, when I first got into like, working with footy teams, um, I did a – five or six week preseason with the Western Bulldogs in 2010. Um, I did some consultancy with them in 09 and then 2010 was sort of first to third year guys. And I remember Leon Cameron was actually my handler. He was, he was the person that I spoke with and I've, when he introduced me to the group, he looked at me and it was just him and me as we were approaching the boys and he just turned around and he pointed to them. He said, Mal, these are your boys and they forever will be. And that cool. that just I went bang. So when you talk about they're my kids, and that has resonated with me. That that was probably one of the biggest lessons that I was ever taught by by Leon, and yep. um, and it's something that has stuck with me and forever. 
am like that, whether it be at club level, AFL level, doesn't really matter. For example, um, Ben Ronk, when he yep. debuted for Sydney, he he debuted for Sydney against Geelong. Now I was a tackling coach at Geelong. He tore us a new one. <laughs> he tore. He, he had. Debut, I, think, wasn't it? I can't remember. Yeah, he had a massive day out, and I've just yeah. texted him straight away. I'm going, mate, great game. Wrong team to do it against, please. You know, sort of <laughs> attitude. Um, you know, he had a lazy. I don't know how many it was. It was lazy five or six tackles. You know, his pressure was fantastic, and and that's the thing. Yeah. As much as he killed, like for me, I'm sitting there with my coach's hat on, going, don't boys, come on, get around, do this, do that, do this. Yeah. I'm sitting there with a bit of a cheshy cat grin on my face going, nice yeah. work, Benny. And and that happens consistently with certain people. So, yeah. no, no, no. No, I know what you mean. And it's, and it's like, this, it's really nice to see, um, you know, I know I've mentioned um, a few Canada's girls already, but it's, it's really nice to see some of the other kids, like um, Sarah Dargan when she was yep. drafted. Um, Absolutely. You know, she, she was a player that has spades and spades of talent, but um, I guess her, her journey was a little bit more difficult. Um, but, to see her, you know, she's a player that um, just dug in yeah. and was really adaptable and um, I guess really took on a heap of feedback. Um, and to see her get drafted was another really special moment. Um, and she's one of, the, again, one of the kids that you, you watch from afar and you just, um, you love seeing yep. their game progress. It, it's, um, yeah, it's really special. Massive fan um, of dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I did not know you worked with Leon Cameron. I'm like, I'm going to ask you. That. Very, very short. Look, <laughs> oh, oh, please don't, please don't. Because when he, uh, it was, it was really interesting. Because what ended up happening um, was there was a change in coaching staff. Uh, they brought back, I think it was Brett Montgomery for 2011, and then they went in house with all their tackling staff. So I sort of found myself out of a out of a gig, brand new to it, didn't really know what to do, and that's when my TAC Cup journey started. Went to yep put an SOS out to Western Jets and um, and then from there the rest is sort of history. I feel for Leon, I really apologize. I'm gonna make a public apology. I reckon I text him a thousand times when he was a Hawthorne. Uh, <laughs> just specifically regarding Buddy Franklin and his bumps. Because yeah. remember when he was going through those issues where he kept knocking, like hitting heads and getting him high. And, and yeah. getting yeah, getting getting suspended or fined, etc. And I was texting him, he's going, mate, I can <laughs> I can help you if you need it. I reckon he's probably blocked. I reckon he's probably blocked my number. I, I, number. So no, please do. If he does remember me, if he, if he, I'm hoping he does, but if he does remember yeah. me, please please tell give him my best. I've got a bit of an affinity for the Giants because there's one still there. My first ever draft day went there, which was Will Hoskin Elliott. Oh, and right. the same year as Adam Kennedy. So, and ah, okay. and I'm, I'm a massive fan of Smooth. I don't know if you still got that nickname. Um, Kenners, Kenners, and Will. I worked a lot with at the Jets, and um, yeah. uh, they're two of the nicest guys. Will's obviously now at Collingwood, but Kenners, like his dad, his dad used to be upstairs making coffees and stuff like this while I was grappling everyone and. It was very, but in all honesty, an amazing young man. And I'll actually in in my office, my I have my Giants, my Giants jumper signed by both of them. Right. Massive fan of of those boys, absolutely. But <laughs> look, so yeah, coming back, coming back to talking about COVID. How? So you're yep. back in Melbourne? Yep. I am back in yep. Melbourne. Hey, and I have a feeling your mate Smooth Kennedy could be at the moment too. Oh really? I'm gonna drop that nickname when I see him next. Oh season. no! Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble. He's <laughs> no. actually he's actually on the list for me to actually message and see whether or not I can get him on here. Actually, so, um, but 
good yeah. guy. No, he, he's an amazing, <laughs> an amazing young man. So, yeah. um, but well, h- how are you, how are you traveling with COVID? What's the, how you, hopefully everyone's safe. Um, yes. Yeah. But how are you traveling with it? You're bored doing anything? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, this time, two weeks ago, I was sitting in my apartment up in Sydney wondering whether or not I should make the quick move home to Melbourne. So yep. that decision was made uh, in about 24 hours that, um, yep, we've, you know, there was a lot of talk about are they going to close borders or what's going to happen. Um, you know, as it's been well documented that AFL clubs have more or less been stood down until we get over this. So um, I had the choice to kind of sit up in Sydney and um, and not get up to a whole heap um, or come home and be with family. Yep. Um, so I made that decision. Um, I was really lucky that I was on a month-by-month lease yep. up in Sydney. So, um, yeah, made that decision to, to come home. And, um, you know, look, there's a few little things um, that I'm doing at the moment past the time. I'm, I'm doing the Next Coach program, yep. um, which is a fantastic AFL coaching program done by Dave Whedon. Uh, so I, I kind of log on to that weekly and there's a two-hour seminar with some pretty impressive football names, um, current players and um, some, some young assistant coaches. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, I'm using this opportunity to actually reacquaint myself with my pet um, that I haven't seen in a couple of years. But, yep. um, yeah, it, it was a bizarre finish today for W season. Yep. Um, and, you know, every player would have liked to have seen a result, but at the same time... Um, there are some things in life that are much bigger than football, and um, yeah, whilst it was a whirlwind, a whirlwind, I guess, week um, when they were, when we were umming and ahhing what was going on, uh, the, the right decision was made, and um, yeah, it, I guess it just leaves a lot of players more hungry for the 2021 season. Absolutely, um, the whole competition, and um, yeah, it's it's a funny time. Um, in the, in the sporting world, yeah. but it, it's not unique to the sporting world. No, definitely not. Uh, so, yeah, I'm using this time to, first of all, yeah, just made the move back. And, so, <laughs> I've done, I've read a few books and I'm doing a jigsaw at the moment. I'm not doing a whole heap, but um, <laughs> after, I think, after my two-week period at home, I'm going to start um, possibly even getting back into some counselling work that I did yeah. prior to moving up to Sydney. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all... All going well. Everyone's safe good. Um, and healthy. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So mm. touching on that, you, you touched on the, the, the coaching aspect. Yeah. First, just just before I, t- before I I'll go into that, and it'll probably move through to it anyway, um, this year you, you, you took over the Mandalas captain of the GWS. Um, some massive shoes to fill. I actually, I've never yeah. met, I've never met Fridge, but it's one of those things where um, you talk to people, and you know the the reputation is amazing. Um, an amazing person, not only you know a good captain, but a, a really good person. So big shoes to fill for you. Um, how did you how did you approach that and how did you you know you often hear with certain people when they take over a captaincy you know the the you know their um, their game suffers or things happen or what have you how did how did mm. you how I don't think your game suffered by any stretch of the imagination um, but the things like you know, how did you approach that with those sort of shoes to follow through with the respect that she had, etc.? Yeah, um, 
it was it was unexpected at first. Yep. Um, you know, no one really. <laughs> I guess the months of um, April through to October, um, I was kind of you know doing our weekly running program together yep. <laughs> with Fridge and and a few of the other girls up there, and she was prepping. Um, as normal for, for the coming season. And um, I knew she was umming and ahhing at the end of last season as to whether she'd go on again, but um, made the decision and she was, uh, she's a super fit human being. Um, <laughs> we named our best in gym award after her because she's just a beast in the gym. Um, so, yeah, she, it, it came as a real surprise and a shock um, when she did make the decision. And, and look, it was it was a, a really hard decision for her to step away right on the, the I guess, the pre-season. Yeah. Um, but it was something that she'd been on you know, for a while. So, um, yeah, when uh, when Al and the club um, asked uh, if I would um, take on the role as captain, it was, it, it was, yeah, it was a bit weird. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it was such, and it is such big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been her, her vice captain for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, and I think... You know, after I sat down with her a couple of times um, early on in the preseason, and, and um, you know, had a really had a few really good discussions with her around, you know, what does my role look like? Um, do I need to change what I'm doing? Or you know, what does Alicia Eber as, as a captain look like? And um, it was fantastic to have those conversations because she just reinforced that, um, you know, there are things that I that I did as vice captain that I guess almost had me ready to step up into that role. Um, uh, I've always been, I guess, I've always taken on more of that kind of vocal footy IQ role as a leader. Um, And, you know, that that comes hand in hand with the coaching. And, you know, so I haven't changed anything in that sense. Um, You know, that was, I guess that was the part that I, I, played when she was um, when she was captaining our group. Yep. Uh, there are certain parts of um, her leadership style that I can't emulate because it's, because if I did, it would be disingenuous. You know, she's an amazing... When, when Fridge speaks, everyone listens mm-hmm. um, and she knows what to say and when to say it. Um, she has an incredible work ethic. She's as tough as nails. Yep. Um, she's just... You know, I, I didn't want to try and be Fridge because if I tried yep. to be Fridge, <laughs> I'd probably fail. Um, so yeah, she really encouraged me to, to continue what I was doing as vice captain, but to really kind of also take the opportunity to make the role my own. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, we caught up regularly. She's a good mate of mine, and we, we caught up regularly and would discuss certain things that came up during the season. Um, we discussed, you know, she actually headed up our emerging leaders program. So, um, you know, when she was captain at the Giants, there was she really wanted to make sure that we were kind of fostering the development of, of our younger girls in the yep. leadership space. So, um, and that, that's a real passion of hers. So she actually came on board as uh, kind of our emerging leaders coach in that space. So she was working with our younger girls, which was great. And then, um, yeah, I, I guess myself and our leadership group, we worked on the, the things that were really applicable to our team yep. this season. So, yeah, I mean, my season, I, um, I mean, it, we, we all know it was cut short because of yeah. the current climate. Um, and then I, I suffered a foot injury, which which was weird. I hadn't missed an AFLW game until yeah. this season. How is um, that? So that? That was that was two games, was it? Is it two games? Yeah, two yeah. games. So, how how um, is it without, yeah, how is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's good. fine. Um, it was, I think that was probably in terms of the captaincy, 
role. Um, you know, how do you captain when you're not playing? Yeah. Um, was something that I had to kind of navigate through. And it was only a couple of games in the end. Um, the initial diagnosis wasn't, wasn't that great. So to be able to, uh, so only was a couple of, yeah. you know, I'm very fortunate as some girls missed the whole season. So, yeah. um, but it was, it was, it forced me to think about things a little bit differently. Um, in terms of my role on game day and what that looked like. And, you know, we actually had one of our club dress wins against Adelaide. Um, you know, I'm standing on the sidelines yes. over the fence because I wasn't allowed wasn't allowed on the bench, but I'm standing on the sidelines jumping around like a goose um, on, the si- on the siren went. But, you know, it was hard to watch because um, yeah. you always want to be a part of it. But equally, it was so special to see how far our, I guess, our... Um, we're not a we're not a young group by age, but we're a young group by years of football experience. Yep. It was great to see, um, you know, it was great to see um, such a hard fought win. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. last last bit of footy, I think more than anything else. I just want to touch on this because are you still are you still have your development developmental role with NAFL? with the uh, NAFL squad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, current climate makes uh, yeah, but, but, yeah. yeah. So yeah. obviously, yeah, and and you also won the um, the AFL Coaches Association Coaching Pathway Scholarship. Yeah. Now, how how how's that going? Because you talked about what was it, next gen coaching or uh, next coach? The, next coach. Yep. Yeah, program. Um, yep. How's that all fitting together? And what are you what are you hoping for? Um. Oh, that's a great question, Malcolm. Um. Yeah, I was really fortunate enough to win that, that scholarship and um, I've been mentored by John Westfold. Um, I need to actually need to touch touch base with him again during this period. Um, so I've been mentored by him and, um, you know, have been lucky enough to be able to sit down with a, an AFL coach that's not at the club that you currently work at. Yeah. Um, it's not an opportunity that many people get access no. to. So. And how, that, uh, that's that's the interesting part for mine because obviously yeah. there's, there's, you'd be reticent to try and find as many trade secrets as you possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was very conscious of um, asking the right questions. <laughs> and, and not, you know, <laughs> no, he was, he was great. Like my first meeting um, with him, we sat down and... Um, and we more or less said, you know, ask ask as many questions as you want. Um, maybe not the X's and O's questions, but yeah, uh, <laughs> specific plays. But, you know, here's a real open book, and he's been so generous with the insight that he shared with me um, from his coaching experience, not just at Essendon but at West yeah. Coast. And um, yeah, it's you know, I'm I'm probably too conscious of um, taking up too much of his time because yeah. you know I I, I see daily what the life of an ASL head coach looks like and mm-hmm. they and they don't have a lot of time. So yeah. I've been a bit conscious of that. Um but yeah he's been he's been fantastic. Um and then to partner up that with uh, I went on a trip to the States um, at the end of last year. It was a, a a coaching trip um as part of that scholarship. So yeah, yeah where I went to um uh, we spent the majority of our time in LA and visited a number of um colleges in LA and um, and then we went to San Francisco. Um, we went to Stanford University, which was just incredible, and spent a few days with their football department there. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, the third part of the scholarship is this next coach program, and um, and I'm absolutely loving that. It's 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 nothing about the X's and O's of, of football. Yep. It's, you know, there's a little bit of discussion, but it's all about um, coaching philosophies, and mm-hmm. um, I guess. Um, 
teaching and um, relationship building and, um, you know, what makes a great assistant coach. And uh, it, it's all about, I guess, theories and conversation and different ideas rather than tactics. Um, and I think that's – I'm really enjoying that side of things. Um, I've studied psychology in a past life, so yep. <laughs> I think that kind of goes hand in hand um, with, with – um, with my coaching and, and what I want to be as a coach. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think right now um, with the COVID crisis that's going on, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of time on my hands. So, um, yeah, uh, after my two-week period of rest, <laughs> um, I'm really throwing myself into kind of educating myself further in a lot of this stuff. Yep. I'm reading, reading a lot, um, and I'm going to make sure that I keep up my networking um, with a lot of the fantastic people and mentors that I've yep across in the last 10 years so. absolutely yeah oh, oh you look if there's anyone that does not know you as a person you are definitely a student of the game more than anything else and there is no doubt about it the day i the day i first met you and in relation to com- conversations after that that training and questions and um there's it's interesting specifically as a specialist coach it's interesting that there i, I term good questions, bad questions. Yep. And good questions are, good questions, it, it's the motive of the question asked, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it's amazing how I, I can pretty much on my radar say, well, no, you're a closed book. You're just asking me this question to prove a point somewhere else uh-huh. Uh-huh. as opposed to you're asking me this exact same question, but you're an open book and you want to know why, you want to know how, you want to know this, you want to know that. So, yeah. and, and that's one thing that has always struck me with you. You've always been that open book in relation to this, that and the other. And, and obviously that's going to flow through in relation to your captaincy roles, your vice captaincy roles, your playing roles, your coaching roles, whatever it might be, you're, you're going to do it. And I think um, a lot of people out there that, if we go back to one of the quotes you said before that you're actually listening to some of the players and it's amazing how some people start thinking that it, with experience comes the the, necess- the the requirement to maybe stop learning whereas you have probably a heap more experience than half the players on your team yet you're listening to some of the noobs come in and watching what they do and learning from them. It, you know, there's a massive thing out there for anyone that's listening to this podcast, whether you're a, a coach, a player, or anything like that, it's amazing how we can learn from from anybody. I, I had a young kid explain to his brother. I was doing a private session with a couple of brothers the other week, and one of the brothers um, had worked with me previously, and um, I was showing something, and then he gave an analogy, and I cannot remember it. I wrote it down, but he gave this analogy to his brother to explain it in a footy way and yeah, I sat back and I like looked and I went can I have that and he's like yeah absolutely <laughs> straight away because all of a sudden that spoke he was speaking footy I was speaking grappling yeah. he was speaking footy and I just went I need that analogy for that particular issue when I speak with clubs because sometimes I get that blank look sometimes yeah. I get that so yeah no I, I you know as I said you are a student of the game and and I think that's why you're so successful so um, <laughs> not wanting to not wanting to blow smoke up your butt or anything like that, but yeah. So real. Yeah, so if you've still got a little bit more time. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I've I've got. So we're just gonna with the current crisis, with everyone sort of in isolation and all that sort of stuff. 
I'm not sort of making this about COVID-19 or anything like that, but (laughs) these were questions that I had pondered. So basically from a podcast perspective, Mm -hmm. um, I've had this in the pipeworks for probably about 18 months. I was supposed to actually try and do this pre-AFLW. 2020 and just was too busy and couldn't get around to it so but this (laughs) this might help those people out there to uh with their isolation at the moment first question this isn't one this wasn't on the books how how big is the jigsaw puzzle how many pieces it was a thousand pieces and it was a harry potter okay cool amazing so three favorite movies what are your three favorite movies oh stuck at answering this question um i can't go past titanic i know that's a cliche response um i really enjoyed blood diamond yep two very very different films but there's a leo there's a strong leo theme here (laughs) there is a strong leo theme (laughs) no i didn't realize that until just now um god another third don't I'm going delib- to have to get back to you on that one, I think. I was going to say, don't deliberately try and avoid a Leo DiCaprio <laughs> second yeah, or third no, film. Yeah, no, I actually was. I, I, <laughs> oh, no. no. I like a good thriller. Right. I like a good a, a movie that's got a, a big twist at the end. Yep. Um, but, you know, I don't mind a rom-com either. Love Actually is always good on Christmas Eve. So. There you go. Okay. There's, there's three. There's three. All right. Three, <laughs> three favourite bands or singers. Not necessarily uh, that, or what's on your pod? Uh, what's what? What are you listening to now, or anything like that? I'd say. Oh, I'm a big Beatles fan. Yep. Um, thank you, Brian Eva. We grew up when other kids grew up listening to, I guess, well, we listened to the Wiggles as well. But we grew up listening to the Wiggles and the Beatles. Right. So, oh, who else? Uh, oh God, I'm really bad at these questions. What's what's on the po- What's on the what's on the current Spotify list? What are you listening to? Just uh, whether it be. Up. What have I got? I'll open Spotify right now. Um, oh, Vance Joy's popped up. Vance Joy. <laughs> uh, the Wombats has popped up. Yep. Um, and then I've got a whole heap of old school house music. Oh, Calvin Harris. I love Calvin Harris. Right. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got a bit of a joke. Um, not a joke, it's serious. Uh, at the Giants, we've got a few of us who like to dabble on the DJ decks now. Right. I was, that was um, my next question, actually. <laughs> who's, who's, who's the DJ? Because I, I spoke with Gab Pound. Ah, um, uh, yep. And she, in 2018, she was sort of she was sort of the DJ for Carlton. And I asked her whether or not she's been moved on, and she sort of, she sort of said yes, sort of, but she's still around. But yeah, no. So okay, so you're there, you're in there. Um, Pepper Randall is definitely the um, the DJ queen right. at the Giants, definitely. So yep. she's actually she actually owns DJ decks and uh, oh, like wow. actual, actual proper ones. Seriously. Um, yeah, so we have a party every year at the Giants now. It's become a bit of an annual event called Fridge Fest. So right. it's been hosted by Fridge the last um, two seasons. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, Pepper's the, the, I guess, the headline DJ, and then um, some of us who think we're good at it, um, then we jump on the deck, but we're not very good. That's fantastic. But, yeah, Pepper actually is there. <laughs> All right, so uh, in the theme of what we've been talking, what are you watching right now? So what's on TV at the moment that you might be watching? Uh, I started watching The Crown. Right. I don't know if that interests many of many listeners, but I've started watching The Crown. No, it works. It works. There's, oh, there's been actually, maths. There's been you name it. It's been. Yeah, and I, I actually um, I, I don't really watch much TV. It's mm-hmm. mostly on Netflix. But I just started watching last night. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about um the Tour de France team. Uh, sorry, cycling team Movistar. Yep. 
Uh, and, yeah, that's really fascinating. I only watched the first episode, which only goes for about 20 minutes. So, right. so far it goes through the stories of all the different riders on Movistar's 2019 team. Okay. So I actually like cycling. Yep. Um, I'm not much of a cycler myself, but I really like, yep. um, I guess, I like the sport. So that was interesting, random, okay. but, um, yeah. No, no, no. This is what we want. This is, the, this is exactly what this is designed for. Um, <laughs> what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, uh, ice cream. Ice cream. Or um, listening to 90s pop. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably those two. Flavor? What flavor ice cream? Uh, I can't go past salt and caramel at the moment, but I feel like that's a real, you know, that I'm kind of just following everyone else's lead on that. Yeah. If it tastes, it tastes. That, that's, that's simple. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem, I, I think. People people yeah. in this day and age, they get worried that they're following the crowd and they miss out on things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. But, yep. Um, biggest strength? Your biggest strength? Ooh. Uh, be honest, don't be... And, and this, is, this is one thing. I've asked this question a couple of times now. Um, and everyone starts worrying about, oh, I don't want to sound up myself. What's your biggest strength? Be honest. Uh, I think... Probably I'm interested in people. Yep. And I think that helps um, as a player, as a teammate, as a coach. Um, yeah, it helps me in, in what I in what I do, being able to build rapport with people. Fantastic. For want of a better word, what is what is your what is your biggest weakness? Uh, probably that I can't say no so much. Ah. <laughs> so it probably it's in the past it's probably um, bit me in the bum because I've probably burnt the candle at both ends a little bit too much. So. Yep. Yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning. But that's that, and, and and when you think about it, it's interesting that you say that. And the the thing that I seem to find when I ask these questions is that generally the person's biggest strength, the exact opposite to it, is their biggest weakness. So, for example, by being a people person, very rarely a people person's no people. Yes. So, yeah. it's it's one of those okay. things where. Um, that's just, a, you know, I understand that you're, you're the qualified amongst us. That's just my lay version of <laughs> quick bullet psychology. <laughs> no, I, I like that. I like but, that. But, I, nice. I, but I do, I do seem to find it just asking those sort of things in relation to, to people that, that when they do say what their weakness is, it's amazing how they will turn around and say, well, conversely, it's because of this. And yeah, it's generally, the sort of, um, so we're pretty much almost done. Um, really, really, really quickly, because um, yep. I, I, I don't want to keep you. Um, there used to be a, a there was a show called the Inside the Actors Studio. I'm not too sure if you mm-hmm. ever heard about it. There used to be a guy by the name of James Lipton, uh, who uh, unfortunately only a few weeks ago passed away. Um, he was inspired to ask a questionnaire from a French talk show host. Uh, I think the guy's name from memory was Bernard Pavot. So, and it's a ten part thing but um yeah so we're just gonna ask this um so what is your favorite word i don't know is this supposed to be like a one word answer oh it can be anything but yeah just what is your favorite word the word you want the word sorry absolutely oh i say it a lot you say it a lot cool what is your least favorite word god this is hard uh oh god sorry because it means okay. someone's done something wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I say that a lot too. Fair, fair call. Fair call. Um, what excites you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Uh, music. Music? Yeah. 
what I'm turn? Going off the what? No, it's your answers. There's no okay. wrong answers here. I'm not sitting here with a with a ticker across. Trust me. Sorry, I'm doing um, a psychological test here. No, 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 not at all. What turns you off? Um, rude people. What is your right. favourite curse word? <laughs> um. What sound? I don't say too much. <laughs> That's okay. Those words need to be spared. Those words do for, need to be spared. For dramatic for... effect. Exactly. Oh. I was just about to say exactly <laughs> the same thing. Um, yeah. What sound or noise do you love? Um, uh, guitar music. Okay. What yeah. sound or noise do you hate? <sighs> the carpenters using the hammers oh, at okay. seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? So with that, we're going to take away AFL, AFL footy player, coach, and psychologist. We're going to tell, we'll cancel. We're going to take away those four things. So just other than those, what would you like to attempt? Um, I'd be a musician. Okay. What profession would you not like to do? Uh, um... Probably accounting. Sorry to all the accountants out there, but Fair I'm rubbish with, with no, that stuff. I'm with you on that. As soon as I see numbers, <laughs> I start to panic. Um, <laughs> last one. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear from God? Or sorry, what would you like God? What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um. Uh, you can continue life as you know it up here. Fantastic. <laughs> ah, that's perfect that's awesome that's pretty much the podcast that's the interview the one thing that i want to finish off with everyone's got them on instagram now they pop up everywhere whatever it is everyone yep. runs one at the moment it's current quote what's the current quote that you're oh, living God. by that's pushing you that you're currently seeing at the moment you know could be from a podcast could be from anywhere what's that current quote that you've got in your mind or that you're quoting to other people that inspirational quote whatever it might be um. I really like a quote that's around um, uh, the pain of discipline is much less than the pain of regret. Yep. Um, I think that's really applicable, particularly when you're going through your pre-season training and, um, or when you've got to sit down and read that literature piece that you can't be bothered reading. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, that's something that I saw at Stanford and it really just stuck with me. Yeah, the, the pain of discipline is... Much less the pain of regret. That's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. I like that. I like that very much. There you go. Alicia Eva, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you very, very much. It's, like I said, we, we need to catch up more often. And I think, you know, you're... You're not one of my kids, but you're one of the people. You're one of the people. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, well, you're yeah, one of mine. You're one of mine. In, in the Leon Cameron rule book, you're one of mine. So absolutely. <laughs> no, I appreciate that so much. I really do. Alicia, so, thank you so much. Thank you again. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Catch you soon. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Alicia. As you can hear, she truly is a student of the game and just an all-round great person. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, be kind and be well. 
by all parties appearing on this podcast are purely their own and in no way directly reflect and or represent those of any team, club or organisation they are currently or have previously been associated with, unless otherwise expressly mentioned. Malcolm Banks Tackles and Takedowns, the podcast, is proudly supported by Mizuno, Madison Sport Australia and Mizuno Martial Arts Australia.